podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back and we're coming to you live from Joe Lenardi's bubble. We are back on the bubble, everyone. Boy, I tell you what, it was so much fun to get that win over Iowa State. Um, Sure was an ugly one. Uh, Shouldn't have gotten to overtime. Uh, Quite frankly, you know, I think we probably should have blown them out. Iowa State's not good. Um, but you know, a win is a win and it was a desperately needed win before we get into that in the entire week of basketball behind us. I want to talk to you guys about ColorCast. ColorCast is where we will be doing our live shows from now on. Um, and, and here's the thing currently as is we don't get the mp3 from that so if you want to listen in if you want to be part of the live show if you want to hear what we're talking about the only way to do that is to join ColorCast and join our show we're going to be going live wednesday the 16th at 7 p.m i will send out a tweet so you can rsvp to it on ColorCast. we'll be going live we'll be talking hopefully about another k-state victory Uh, Hopefully you guys are listening to this first thing Monday morning before you get out to Bramlage on this Valentine's Day to see K-State play West Virginia or hopefully at least get to watch it 6 p.m. game. Uh, So hopefully on Wednesday we'll be able to talk about that. Hopefully we'll be able to talk about maybe a show with Mr. Jacob Poland still in the process of getting that to happen. Um, So hopefully we'll have the GOAT Jacob Poland on uh, this week or next week sometime very soon. Lots of stuff to talk about. So, uh, yeah, I mean, join us on Wednesday. ColorCast, it's going to be grand. Okay, so this game versus Iowa State. All right, so, well, actually, first, let me touch on the Baylor game. Let me touch on the Baylor game real quick. Um, It was ugly. The second half was ugly. But here's the thing. Again, it's not a moral victory, especially because we are now in desperate need to get wins if we want to get in the NCAA tournament. There are no moral victories. But again, playing the way we did in that first half, again, shows that there is talent on this team. If things are clicking, we can play with anyone in the country. Anyone in the country, you know, yes, we lost by 15. It was bad. It was ugly. But being tied at halftime and actually being up, I think, as much as nine early on in that game shows that if we come out committed with purpose – we can play with just about anyone. Now, we're going to need that because we have road games versus KU and Texas Tech. We likely have a tough game to start things off in Kansas City in the Big 12 tournament. And, you know, even if we hold serve versus all these other, you know, 50-50 type games, rest of the way out, I feel like to be completely safe on Selection Sunday, you're going to need to pick off one of those games. If you drop any of these 50-50 games, you're going to have to pick one of them up. So again, 
Uh, the, you don't get to hang a banner. You don't get to play moral victory card in a game, any game at this point in the season, let alone one you did lose by 15. We're going to put that behind us. We're going to move on, and we're going to talk about this game versus Iowa State. Now, first off, I'm going to get on a soapbox. Uh, anyone who follows me on Twitter, and, I, and believe it or not, not everyone's on Twitter. It's a hellscape. It's not a good place. It's ugly. So not everyone sees my rants on this. But this was another example of why playing games on ESPN, you suck, and ESPN Plus is way better. This is back-to-back games where we were supposed to be on ESPNU. Game was supposed to start at a certain time. Ends up getting delayed almost to the first media timeout, and they didn't flip the switch to put it online on the ESPN app. So once again, I know people have their issues with ESPN+. Plus. I know people have frustrations with ESPN+. Plus. But guess what? That is not something you ever have to worry about with ESPN+. Plus. Um, it's kind of, it blows my mind that especially in basketball, there are still a large segment of folks that are fighting back against ESPN plus when it is far in a way, the superior way to watch a game. If you're not going to be on ESPN or ESPN two, I would say, and and again, I, I don't think it's particularly even close. If you're not going to be on ESPN or ESPN2, I don't want any business of being on ESPNU. I want no business of being on the Longhorn Network. I want no business of any of that stuff. Give me ESPN Plus every single day of the week over those other options. So, um, again, just another frustration because here's the thing. When, when we finally get to being able to watch the game, I think by the time it flipped over, we were down 13 to nothing. I mean, we were down 13 to nothing before we even got to watch, you know, a second of the game. It was an annoying start to the game. And again, I don't really, I I can't go off of anything except for what you see in the ESPN game cast, the play-by-play and all that type of stuff. You know, we were fouling. They had their goofy-looking tall guy hit a bunch of threes. But again, we spot this sorry-ass team 13 points to start the game. Literally, it, 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 it... it's sometimes people make the joke, oh yeah, you know, you basically spotted them 13 points. No, we, we really gave them a 13 to nothing lead to start the game. And when I didn't, and you know, in classic me fashion, I was worried. I didn't think we were going to win the game. And in my head, I started thinking to myself, okay, what am I going to say about this game? You know, you start off uh, giving them a 13 0 head start. And, you know, what What does this come down to? Is it leadership? Is it coaching? I don't know what it is. I think you still need to have that conversation because uh, here's the thing. It doesn't matter the game. It doesn't matter where it happens. We almost always seem to go on a very detrimental run where we cannot score. We cannot get a stop. And it's way more noticeable if it happens at the beginning of the game where you can, you know, you, you look up at the scoreboard and it's 13 and nothing. Now, I, if, if I had the magic sauce behind this, if I had the magic uh, elixir, if I, could, if I could do something to solve that issue for this basketball team, you know, I would be a millionaire basketball coach and I wouldn't be some dude with a fan podcast. You know, Bosco's boys wouldn't be a thing. It'd be Scott Wildcat, you know, head coach of Weber State or, you know, UMKC. If, 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 so anything I say... 
you know, it, it's obviously not the answer. I wish I had the answer. I think everyone wishes they had their answer, but it's unacceptable. And I think it's, it's these runs, it's it's those type of moments that make it so easy for people to hate on Bruce Weber, for people to uh, tune out on this team and to not want to back this squad because, and it's frustrating. Again, I'm not making I'm not making excuses for it, but if you can wait to turn on a game and instantly it's 13-0, it becomes very easy to turn off the TV, go to Twitter, say fire Bruce, go on a message board, say leave him on the tarmac, say any sort of thing about that, and then just go on with your day. And, and that's part of the issue that this basketball program as a whole is facing. Now, we might have to do a deep dive later on if it comes to it. Uh, today's not that day. Luckily, they turned it on and they got going. So basically from that moment, you know, from, from the time that, that you spot them a 13-0, you battle back. You get it close. But sadly, at the end of the day, by halftime, it's still 40 to 28. Now, there is nothing I can take away from that first half that is positive. There's nothing about that first half that is good. Like, yes, you, you battled back a little bit. I mean, how close? What's the closest it got? We got it back within eight, seven, seven ish, five. Okay, so we got within four at one point in in, in there. And then we allowed them to go on another big run to end the half. Now again, it's it's frustrating. Again, don't have the answer. We talked about that all, you know, the entire time. But this team then comes back in the second half, and late they make a run. They start playing amazing defense. They start getting buckets, and I want to talk about Mr. Flexiel himself, and that is Mike McGurl. Mike McGurl basically said he was not going to lose this game. The defensive performance Mike McGurl put on in the second half was second to none. I, I don't think we have ever seen Mike McGurl play better defense. You know, he got I, he only had two steals, which shocks me. I thought he had more, but he was all over the place. He was causing issues for Iowa State every time they brought up the ball. And, and he, was, he, he played great. I, I legitimately think this was the best defensive game. We have seen from Mike McGurl in his entire career. He truly can be the difference maker for this team when you need it. And I, I, I was just really happy to see him. And he continues in games we win to fill the hole, whatever hole we need, whenever we need it. And that's why I'm calling him Mr. Flexiel. It was also good to see Selton Miguel back. Now, he only went one of six from the field. Uh, it was a big layup when he got it, but when he he did go three of four from the free throw line, he got five rebounds, three assists, got a steal and a block. Didn't turn the ball over at all. Now that he's back, you have a little bit more room to breathe in the backcourt. And again, another great defensive player. And again, I gotta I gotta give Selton props coming basically from cold. Finding a way to gut out and play 22 minutes, that was awesome. I was really happy to see it. Uh, Luke Kasuki, nothing off the bench. 0 of 2. I, Luke was getting, you know, you're starting to get a little excited from Luke. That was nothing. Ish Masood, and, and I, I understand why a lot of people were frustrated with Ish's game. He scored 11 points. Two of them were a dunk late. He was one of six from three-point. Again, not great. 
but he hit every single one of his two-point shots. He was 4 of 4 from inside the arc. He gave you 22 minutes. He only got three rebounds. We would have liked to see him get more. But again, I'm not piling in on the guy as much as everyone else. Now, I, I think we can get past the idea that this is a guy who's going to be able to hit three-pointers from the four spot on the team. I think we're beyond the point of thinking we should be starting him. I think we know what he is, uh, and it's not great. It's not ideal. But again, if you if you can get him to maybe change his game a little bit, play inside the arc a little bit, you know, going 4-4 four four from 2 isn't anything to... I guess it's more 3-3 three three from 2. And again, one of them was a big bucket that we needed in overtime. So, again, I, I understand the frustration with Ish Masood, and he is underachieved to my hopes as we brought him as a transfer. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Sadly, you know, it was a big offer from Davion. Carlton didn't give you anything else. I don't even know if Easy played. I don't even know if Casey Eziagu played. You know, they they only, you know, Lingard didn't shoot at all. Bradford 0 of 2. They Bradford didn't grab a defensive rebound. That's wild. He had two offensive rebounds, zero defensive rebounds in 15 minutes. Lingard had one defensive rebound. Uh, Bradford had another block, but he led the team with three turnovers. Now, if Bradford would have been what we had last year, didn't even have to improve. If he just didn't have the regression that we did, we'd be safely in the tournament. This is going to be one of the most curious cases of regression I've ever seen in college basketball. I had so many high hopes for Davion Bradford. Davy Dunks. We talked about it all last season. We talked about it in the offseason. Then again, at this point, you know, I, I don't think you can just say, oh, well, had COVID, had pneumonia, just never was able to get into shape. I think it goes beyond that. I, I think it's mental at this point. And, and that's the most frustrating thing in the world. The most frustrating thing in the world. Now, basketball is evolving. Basketball is evolving. Not many teams play with a traditional center, so that's not the end of the world. But what he needs to give you value is blocking out, creating chances for rebounds. This team, and I'm looking real quick at the stats, I would be shocked if we out-rebounded them. 37-42. to So, no, we we got out-rebounded by five. And that is the biggest detriment to this team. Now, Bruce's teams in the past, it hasn't been about the big guy leading the team in the rebounds all the time. But it is dependent on whoever your big guy is, is blocking out and putting in effort right there. Bradford has not been capable of it. Neither has Lingard, neither has Easy Ague. And that has been detrimental. Not having someone who can continuously get the block out and then everyone else play smart basketball to grab those rebounds. Mark Smith did grab nine. Mark Smith and Marquise Noel led the team with 44 minutes. Now, Bruce Weber has talked quite a bit this season about how he had to turn the corner and how he looked at building a team, how he had to embrace going after transfers a little bit more. And Mark Smith, if this team finds its way into the NCAA tournament, I think Mark Smith can go down as one of the most important transfer gets K-State basketball has ever gotten. Now, you know, he the team isn't going to have the highs that it did with like Denny Clemente and Curtis Kelly. 
those two are probably, at least in the rebirth era, the two biggest transfers, in my opinion. Transfers in. But Mark Smith will, without a doubt, be the top transfer in that we have seen in the Bruce Weber era if we can get to the NCAA tournament. Leading the team er, the team and the conference with nine rebounds, he got 15 points yesterday. Only one of four from uh, three, four of 12 from field goal, but he went six of eight from the free throw line. You know, he continued to attack the bucket, and when he got to the free throw line, he took care of it. And he almost had another double-double. It's awesome. Already talked about McGurl, talk, talked about Smith, talked about Bradford. I'm going to talk about Nigel Pack, and I'll save Marquise Noel for the end. <laughs> Nigel Pack, honestly, and, and if K-State was better, say, say K-State's where we all think we should be. You know, no doubt in the tournament, flirting with the top 25. I think Nigel Pack would be a, without a doubt, maybe consensus, all Big 12 unanimous pick. Flirting with the idea of being an All-American. This guy not only gets his stats, but he does it so efficiently. Yesterday, he was 7 of 10 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3. He grabbed 6 rebounds and 3 assists. 19 points. 1 of 2 from free throw. Shocked. I was legitimately shocked when he did miss his free throw. But hey, it happens. This guy is efficient. This guy gets his stats. This guy gets buckets. This guy is great. He is one of those type of players, and and we've been trying to highlight that this on the show. When you are witnessing greatness, try not to take it for granted because you never know when it might be their last game. We talked about it over with the women's soccer team with Brooklyn Nets. We talk it, talked about it with the volleyball team, Aaliyah Carter, Deuce Vaughn, Aoka Lee. I think you need to start putting Nigel Pack in that situation. 7 of 10 from the field, playing 39 minutes. This guy was a beast. He was a beast. He was number two on the team in rebounds, grabbing six. Second on the team with three assists. This guy had a great game, and he's the type of guy that you can build around, that you can rally around. He's the type of guy who can get hot and win almost any game as long as he has someone else helping him. And again, yesterday, you had Mark Smith in double figures. You had Mike McGurl get nine, Ish Masood, 11. You know, he had guys who were helping him do it. Noel, 16. You know, it. it I don't know. I, I, I just get so wound up and frustrated that this guy isn't getting to play in front of packed crazy houses that he's not getting maybe the love from k-state fans and it's all because of the circumstances of the team that he's currently on now this is not the podcast we're not this i'm not turning this into a bruce weber conversation i'm not turning this into a uh, blame the fan situation i'm not but i feel for the guy because he's doing stuff that we have never seen at K-State. Four or five from three. This guy is going to end up being having the best three-point shooting year we've ever seen at K-State. And you know what? They're fighting, and you can see them. He, you can see them fighting, and they're close, guys. You know, they're they're on the bubble. You know, the, the coming down the wire. It is going to be fun. 
They are fighting for their postseason lives. They're fighting to get us back into the NCAA tournament for the first time in three years. And it's going to be a wild run in. Again, if they could they could just avoid one of these multiple long scoring droughts in every single game, they should be able to start getting to stretch their legs out a little bit and not need, you know, some craziness down that down the wire to get some of these wins. And Nigel Pack is a major major reason about it. So I'm looking forward to, uh, as you guys are listening to this Monday morning, Monday afternoon, I'm looking forward to being in the arena on uh, this, you know, mini Monday on ESPN 2 at 6 p.m. versus West Virginia. Hoping for a massive game from Nigel Pack. Hoping for a win to start keeping this momentum going. But now I want to talk about Marquise Noel. Now, Oh, man, Marquise Noel. So 44 minutes, 16 points. He had three steals, six assists, four rebounds, one of one from the free throw line, three of six from three, six of 13 from the field. Like I said, 44 minutes. Marquise Noel made one of the greatest plays I've seen this year when he got undercut on a reverse layup, went in, stared down the crowd. Love, love that energy. Love it. Absolutely love it. Love the energy from the entire team, really. Really, if you go back and watch that game, they play with the emotion. I've said it before. They play with the swagger. And I think the reason why they're a hashtag road dogs, road dogs, is because they love playing the villain. They've embraced that role. You know, they need to embrace some sort of identity, something at home. But you know what? They have the swagger. They like to play the villain. They like to taunt the other team. And I love it. That's why I love this team. The road dog mentality. Marquise Noel exemplifies it. You know, Marquise Noel is a road dog. Nigel Pack is a road dog. They have that swagger. They have that mentality. Now, those are all the things I love. But my goodness. (laughs) I tell you what, one of the most maddening plays in maybe the history of K-State basketball. We get a stop. There's 22 seconds left. Marquise Noel has the ball. 22 seconds left. He waves off Mark Smith, waves off Nigel Pack as everyone clear clear the area. Just dribbles it out for like 17 seconds. Then as a second guy is coming to collapse on him, he tries to take a logo three for the win. What are you doing? Like again, I I think that part of the reason why Bruce has found this himself in the situation he has, uh, this is the you know the second time, you know. It was the Marcus Foster years debacle and now this most recent time. I think part of the reason is he sometimes puts too much trust in his guys. He lets them self-police too much. He lets them, you know, handle it. If they say, hey, I got this. Hey, I got this. He lets them do it. Under no circumstances, once it got under 10 seconds and Marquise Noel is still just standing there dribbling, Bruce should have called a timeout. And I understand why he didn't because, you know what, sometimes he gets criticized for not letting them play, all this type of stuff. You know, he can't do anything right. No matter what happens, he's not going to get credit. He's only going to get blasted. I don't care. Like Again, like I said, this is not a Bruce Weber episode. This is an episode about the team, the players. But I just – and I listened to the post-game press conference. I read Noel's words, and then I saw the YouTube video. Even when he explains it, it, it still doesn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense. So it it was a wildly stupid, I would say borderline selfish play from him at the end of the half. 
or an end of the game. Now, it was a tie game. The worst that could happen was overtime. You know, there, there are worse things. And he came up big in overtime. Had a massive three, played great defense. And honestly, I think even with some of the bad with Noel, you take the good. I think he's an emotional leader. I think he is a guy that, again, if you have a backcourt of Pack and Noel, I mean, those two are one of the highest-scoring backcourts in the Big 12. You get those guys back next year, again, who knows what might happen. You know, I, I enjoy watching him play, but, man, I I don't think there has ever been a singular play where I lost my shit more than that one. Group chats were going off. Twitter was melting down. You know, I, I talked to my dad after the game, and he's like, what, what was he doing? Why didn't we call a timeout? You know, I get it. That was, ah. Uh, it was frustrating, and I wanted to pull my hair out after that one. But you know what? He, he made up for it. And again, the combination of Noel and Pack, any given day, they can be the two best guards on the floor versus almost every team in the Big 12. And I'm excited to see what they can do. You know, if you look at the schedule, and again, we're not going to have a published show. We're not going to have a published show midweek. Um, at least not talking about the game again. We're hoping to get Jacob pulling on the goat that might come out midweek. But the next four games, you have West Virginia at home, at Oklahoma State, at KU, Iowa State at home. If you go three and four in those games, or three and one, excuse me, you'd be at sixteen and twelve. You'd be sixteen and twelve going into the road game at Texas Tech. And then Oklahoma at home. You go three and one, all of a sudden you're sitting at eight and eight in the Big Twelve. You know, that that would probably be good enough to be probably fifth place, fifth place in the conference. You know? Then then you have a road game versus Texas Tech and a home game versus Oklahoma with everything to play for. These next four games are massive, and we've been saying it, I've been saying it, you know, every set of games is massive, you know. Especially after you lost the Ole Miss, you, you lost a lot of cushion. Not getting one of Marquette or not getting any games in Kansas City really hurts you. All of a sudden you get any of those, say, four games in the non-con, Ole Miss, Marquette, the two in Kansas City, all of a sudden you even have one of those. It's a game changer. You have one of those games, if you're able to gut out that game. Again, you, you go back and look at the first four conference games. Lost by two versus Oklahoma. Lost by three, West Virginia. Lost by three, TCU. Just completely blew versus TCU. Hell, even the KU game. Any one of these games, it tilts everything in the favor. So, if they're able to get hot down the stretch and find a way in, this is going to be one of the greatest Houdini acts in Big 12 basketball history. And I'm all in for it. Buckle up. I am all in for it. I you know, I don't know what's going to ultimately happen. I would like to think, and you know, if you look at the ESPN probabilities, they say you have a 64% chance of beating West Virginia. And it says you only have a 27% chance of going into Stillwater and winning. I don't think that's true. And of course, that one's on ESPN News Saturday, 1 p.m. You win those two, all of a sudden, you're in Allen Fieldhouse with everything to gain. 
<sighs> Guys, this is college basketball. This is college sports at its best. This is what's fun about being a sports fan and why I love going on this ride. Every game can be the difference in getting to the postseason. And this is a lot of fun. Again, I understand why some folks aren't doing it. They're not bought in. They're not cheering for this team to win. I think I saw a poll that 68% of folks, K-State fans, and again, I think this was on a message board. You know, it it doesn't matter. Like th- those are not. It's not a good scientific poll. But I think sixty eight percent of fans in this given poll on a K State sports message board said they would rather not make it to the tournament if that meant Bruce Weber isn't going to come back next year. That's not me. Maybe once upon a time that wasn't. Honestly, one hundred percent once upon a time that was me. But that's not fun. No, what's fun? Seeing your school, seeing your team rally late to beat a rival in overtime after giving them a 13-point lead, being down 15 points in the second half, coming back and silencing you know the 10,000 folks who are in Hilton Coliseum. No, it wasn't 14,000. Iowa State is notorious for lying about their attendance. The best thing about Hilton Coliseum is the way their camera angles are. You never see anything. Of their massive upper deck. No, there's like 10,000 folks there. But you got to silence those Iowa cornheads. And that's awesome. That's what college sports is about. Beating your rival. It's about making it to March Madness. It's about taking a day off of work on Thursday. Because you're playing, you know, in some random city on the East Coast at 10.30 a.m. And you want to watch your team play. And I'm never going to cheer against K-State ever again for that not to be the case. So I'm all in. I can't wait for Monday. I can't wait for Saturday. It's going to be big. We've really been talking a lot about K-State women's basketball. And uh, we're going to end the show just briefly talking about it. And it's not nearly as fun. I mean, this is not something fun to talk about. We completely own KU in women's basketball. I think the last time we beat them, I, I said the stat, you know, it's like absurd how many times we beat them in the last 50 meetings. But, oh my goodness, we absolutely got spanked in the third quarter of that game. You know, we ended up after, you know, first quarter was 13-7. to seven. We dominated the second quarter, but gave it all away in the third quarter. Couldn't win, lost 63-51. to 51. And I am so frustrated. And again, this might sound almost contradictory to me defending Bruce, but I'm questioning Jeff Mitty big time. He has been recruiting like crazy, but Aoka Lee got one field goal attempt in the first quarter. She only got 16 attempts. You know, she was 7 of 16 from the field, which was 44% basically. 43.7. And yes, that's lower than her 60. But again, only 16 shots. 16 shots. We went 1 of 22 from 3. 1 of 22. There wasn't another player on the team who was even close to 40% from the field. Actually, I take that back. Mackie was 2 of 3. I, I just kind of question. We're, we're 20, 
one of 64 from the field, 32.8%, 5% from three. I just kind of question what the game plan is, and I, I just kind of wonder what is going on, and I can't help but feel like a special season is being squandered away. You know, I get it. Outside of Lee, the team, all the big-time contributors, especially the scorers, are young. They're freshmen. The next three highest scorers are freshmen. I get it. But at this point in the season, you're in mid-February. You're playing in an arena that had more K-State fans in it than KU. I get the road woes. I get it. I get the familiarity with Jim, all this type of stuff. But, man... I feel like a special season for the women's team is being squandered away. Now, unless you have some improbable wins, not unless unless you go on a run in Kansas City Municipal Auditorium, uh, I think chances of you getting to host the first two rounds in the tournament are likely gone, and, and that would have been a massive thing for this team. And it's frustrating, and you, you want to be critical, and you want to... Get answers, and, and I don't know what the answer is. Again, similar to what I said about how K State always the men go on these long runs without the score. If I if I had the answer to fix this, I would not be having a podcast. But at this point, I, I it has to be something. The difference in quality for this team from home to away is just night and day. I just hope they figure it out before March because you know I would like to see them go on a run in Kansas City. I'd like to see them. Make it the second weekend in the women's tournament. Um, I was really looking forward to hopefully seeing them host games in the tournament. I don't think that's in the cards this year, but um, keep watching them. Let me pull up their schedule because you know, same same with the the men. They're playing for their tournament lives. Every single game for them, they're playing for seeding in the Big Twelve tournament. They're playing for seeding in the NCAA tournament. They have a game. Well, so they have a full week off. They have a full week off before they get Oklahoma State at home on Sunday the 20th. And then they get Texas at home on that Wednesday. And then they're at Oklahoma to finish up the month of March. Then you have games versus TC and West Virginia, which those need to be wins. You know, if they can couple together, if they can win these five straight, two of which are going to be over, would hypothetically be over top 20 teams. You can start seeing a path to hosting tournament games in Bramlage again. Now, they need to take care of business and just pound Oklahoma State at home on Sunday. And then see what happens versus Texas that following Wednesday. And then, you know, at Oklahoma. A couple weeks from now, maybe I'm back on here saying, hey, it's back on. Games in Bramlage, it's back on. So, I hope that's the case. But yeah, you know, it's it, that that game, the Sunday game next Sunday is going to be on ESPNU. Um all the other games are on ESPN Plus. Give them a watch. They are worth, it. you know, as frustrating as they are on the road. The next two are at home and they're special. They're special when they're playing under those Bramlage lights. So, I would give them a watch and it's going to be it's going to be an exciting 7 days in K-State sports, folks. And this is why you're a college sports fan. Um, coming up, we will be going live on ColorCast Wednesday. Um, anyone who's on Twitter knows we are in the process. We're hopefully going to have a show with Jacob Pullen very soon. Uh, our 400th episode is right around the corner. 
we have our fourth anniversary show, believe it or not, also right around the corner. Um, a lot of fun. We're going to try to get a baseball preview. For all of you who like college baseball, I'm going to try to get uh, Brian Smoller back on the show. and Maybe he'll talk a little bit of uh, women's hoops as well when he's on. And again, we got a lot of fun stuff. We're not never stopping. The Bosco's Boys feed is never going away. We're never going to get rid of our name, our logo to join a conglomerate. We're here for you guys. We're here for the fans. We're here for this family that we built. So Bosco's Boys is always going to be here. We love you guys. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone out there. If you're listening to this on the Monday, uh, go Cats. And as Grant would say, meet me at the Cat Head. Hail to the purple. Hail to the white. Wildcat in spirit. Wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea. Onward forever. Hail victory. Ba-dum, 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 ba-fight. UK State Wildcats form alma mater fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white faithful to our colors we will ever be a fighting ever fighting for a wildcat victory fight 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 you can save wildcats for all a modern fight 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 glory in the combat for the purple and the white faithful to our colors we will Podcast Network.